Hospital and healthcare industry leaders are always keeping a pulse on what's going on outside of their own organizations, including rural hospitals, who have to understand their own unique environment as well as the healthcare landscape as a whole. So how do leaders stay engaged and apprised of the latest and greatest in healthcare? Well, Rachel, with constant curiosity, uh, we have daily reading and attention to the right sources. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hotshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 52 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hotshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. Okay, Rachel, there is so much in healthcare that we as leaders need to understand, we need to know, we need to keep track of every day in order to do our jobs effectively and efficiently. And so whether it's trends in technology, best practices, proposed legislation, changes to any type of inter bylaws, and everything in between, we need to know what's going on in our industry. That's right. And I know both of our email inboxes ping several times a day with healthcare news updates from the publication yes. of the person we're speaking with today. That's right, Rachel. Our guest today is none other than Scott Becker, the publisher of Becker's Healthcare. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Scott. JJ and Rachel, thanks you so much for having me. Thrilled to get a chance to visit with you this afternoon. And of course, the issues of healthcare, but particularly rural healthcare, are of great interest to myself and all of us. So, thank you so much for having me. Well, to start, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at Becker's Healthcare? I know uh, we uh, we've referred to you as the publisher of Becker's Healthcare here, but I would imagine you have more than maybe one title, right? <laughs> Sure. So I'm the founder of Becker's Healthcare, which goes back 30 plus years now. It just goes to show how old I am. <laughs> I started Becker's Healthcare in my late 20s, which gives you some sense of age today, which it just <laughs> is what it is. But, um, you know, it, it focused very much on originally on surgery centers, expanded to hospitals and health systems about 15, 20 years ago. And hospitals and health systems have become by far the, the core of Becker's Healthcare. Um, and, and, and we try and make sure at Becker's Healthcare that it's sort of short, concise content. We have a, a constant mantra of trying to be a magnet for readers, for listeners, for attendees. And, and we're highly focused. Hospitals and Health was the primary part of the, the sort of media company today, then Health IT, and then we've got a few other areas that we focus on. But hospitals and hospitals are the big part of that. And then within that, of course, get a chance to visit on and see what's going on with rural healthcare and listen to a lot of those issues as well. So that's sort of the core background of Becker's Healthcare, mm -hmm. publisher, co-founder, partner, sort of service chief content officer, and it's been truly a phenomenal labor of love journey, et cetera. Really a pleasure. It gives me a chance to really get insight, really get a chance to talk to and visit with magnificent people from the entire spectrum in healthcare. It's really a great pleasure. You know, in our listeners today certainly know whenever you say the word Becker's, you, everybody knows, everybody understands, everybody knows what Becker's is. There's not one uh, healthcare official today that if you were to say Scott Becker, they're not going to know who this guy is because he is the leader in providing information on a constant basis, right. Rachel, right. Uh, to healthcare leaders. And it goes all the way from either CFO, CEO, C-suite, directors, very, very informative. Not only that, you complement that with seminars training and opportunities. I've often, I've often been a guest of Scott's on his podcast. 
and uh, he's always bringing new and, and, and current information to healthcare executives. So, Scott, we know a little bit about your work. You know, we've just learned a little bit about yourself. Um, let's start with the why. And we do this on every episode so we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So what is your why? What motivates you and what gets you up out of bed in the morning? Sure. So it's so interesting. It's a it's the it's the great question for all of us, right? It's um the why. If I went back 30 years ago, we started Becker's Healthcare. I'm a lawyer by background and was building a practice at a law firm and, and trying to become exposed to the healthcare marketplace, found myself blocked in all the traditional ways of doing so, and started a short newsletter. That short newsletter was originally sort of a legal marketing type of tool. And what today, when you fast forward today, it no longer has nothing to do with legal marketing. Uh, we've got about 80 to 90 employees at Becker's Healthcare, a magnificent team, and I call them employees, yes. but we've got 30 full-time writers, journalists that cover the oh, landscape yes. of healthcare with a focus on hospitals and health systems. We've got a key event conference team that helps put on the large, the five or six large seminars or conferences we do. Uh, we, you know, and now we also have client management team, we have an audience development team, and so forth. And so it's grown into it. So fabulous team effort. And really, 98% of the efforts there are done by the team, not by myself. But the, the why originally, originally it was a marketing thing. Then as I became older, it became less a marketing thing. And it became far more just staying engaged in the world and, and, and being involved in the game and learning and following and so forth. I am constant learner. I constantly thrive on engaging with people, understanding what's going on with people. I've had you on the podcast a couple of times, and I love that those opportunities. For me, mm -hmm. it's just a great pleasure to be involved in the game and, and, and to see what's going on and learn and constantly learn and, and try and uh, you know, be in the middle of it. It's just been magnificent, a magnificent labor of love that started as one thing and became something entirely different. So that, that's sort of where we're at, and that's sort of a little bit of the why behind it. And an important why as well. And Rachel, if you ever get an opportunity, I'm going to send you to one. Uh, you know, the, the conference in Chicago is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And Scott's presence is, you're just, you're blown away. Uh, his passion comes out. Uh, he, he's got a great stage presence, but it's, it's real. It's humble. Uh, Scott, I think the best interview, uh, and I've heard a lot of yours. I mean, you, you had Nikki Haley. You did a great job with her. But I tell you, the most that I enjoy, and I've been to several of them, is when you interview uh, George Bush. Uh, uh, GW. And I think your interaction with them uh, is phenomenal. And you've had a chance to be on the stage with world leaders. I mean, that's powerful. It's well, powerful. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, and it's great fun. And what you learn with most of these people, for example, regardless of your politics, and I've had a chance to interview Hillary Clinton, Ariana oh, yes. Huffington, uh, George Bush, Nikki Haley, you know, the, the whole spectrum politically, uh, Howard Dean to Tucker Carlson, which, which you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to just uh, to, to Venus Williams. I mean, just a tremendous array of people. And what you find with most of these leaders, most of these people is, regardless of what you hear on TV, in person, most of them didn't get to where they are without having magnificent personal skills that, mm -hmm. that are very in person, very bipartisan and apolitical. Like you, you could be a Fox News watcher and think, oh my God, Hillary Clinton's the devil. You meet Hillary Clinton in person, and she is just an absolute pleasure of a person. Right. You could be a CNN watcher and hate George Bush. You meet George Bush, Bush in person, and he's an absolute pleasure of a person. Yes. I mean, yes. they, they really are. They're very talented. They're mostly, they're mostly I, I don't make moral judgments about them, but mostly they're a pleasure and very, very good at what they do. 
and, and they're a pleasure in person. And they're almost the sad thing about our politics today is so much of it's become role playing. You know, and, and so people are playing a role, whether Agreed. a TV anchor or a politician, they're playing a role. And so when you see someone step outside of that role, either in person or in, in a national stage, when they step outside that role, it's very refreshing. You know, and, and, and I won't go down a political row here, but it's very refreshing when somebody steps away from their party or does something that's yes. not in, on message with their party because it makes them seem like a real person really watching their constituents versus just playing a role. But yes, President Bush, a total pleasure of a person. Yeah. He had his wife with him this year. And he's he's one of, one of the things that's a pleasure about George Bush is he said to us, you know, I've done this a bunch of times with you folks. Would you include Laura? And, and of course, nice. we were delighted to. And oh, it was absolutely. just a great pleasure. Yeah. But, it, but it really is handled really, yeah. really well. And just very gracious people. Yeah. And, and Hillary Clinton, it just a a pleasure of a person. I wouldn't have expected it necessarily, but, but yeah, it's a complete right, pleasure. Right. We've had her back a few times. Yeah. And I, I would say that that speaks volumes to how you organize your program, because I've been to just about everyone that you've mentioned uh, in speakers. And there is no there's there's decorum. There is civility in your presentations. There is no division. And, and Scott, that's what we need more of today in healthcare. So thank you for making that contribution to us uh, as hospitals and executives to hear different perspectives in such an environment that's learning and warm and away from some of that just uh, nasty stuff. So you told us a lot about the the various different aspects now of Becker's healthcare that you've evolved from this newsletter to what you are today. Um, can you give us a bit of a sense of the journey? What what was the process? Are there any kind of major milestones in that 30 years um, that you that, that kind of stick out to you as when your directions either changed or expanded to, to ultimately get to where you are now? Sure, Rachel. That is a great question, and there's there's a couple of core ones. There's um there's a a, a great phrase that somebody had used with me earlier today uh, when I was interviewing somebody, and it's an old proverb. And the, the person saying it was Tracy Madden McMahon, who serves as president of the Nebraska Health System Foundation by chance. But you know, there's this old phrase: if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go as a team. So it was probably mm -hmm. 17, 18 years ago now that I started to, until about 17, 20 years ago, we outsourced everything in the company, literally to sort of a conference management and a management company that did everything with me. And they were terrific. At some point, 17, 18 years ago, we started hiring full-time employees. And it wasn't until we started. So one core point in time was when we started hiring employees. And in the first year, we hired about eight to 10 employees. And it was a couple of those that stood out ended up being difference makers in the company. So the current president and CEO who's been with me forever, who started literally out of college, is a woman, Jessica Cole. So that was a first mm -hmm. difference because she ended up being, I was very good on content. She was able to organize teams, organize people, and, and turn this into a real institution and mm -hmm. company versus just Scott Becker writing a newsletter. And she mm -hmm. really was able to take the platform that I'd started to develop and turn it and build a team into a much larger team. So the hiring of, of her and the building of a team was probably the first big inflection point. The second big inflection point was about 20 years ago when we originally started this, I had worked in a specific niche industry within healthcare in the surgery center area. And at, at that point, about 20 years ago, we expanded into hospitals and health systems and into orthopedics and spine. And of course, it, it in hindsight, 
it doesn't take a genius to see that hospitals and health systems would be the the huge growth engine of the company. So they just a hugely it's just a huge market compared to these other areas, which are great areas as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, orthopedics and spine was closer to surgery centers. So I thought orthopedics and spine would be our growth market, and of course, I was incorrect. The real <laughs> growth market of the company ended up being hospitals and health systems, and it's 80, 90 percent of the company and what we do mm-hmm. today. And and mm-hmm. it's what we follow, and where I spend 98 percent of my energies is following the hospital and health system area. And and what was uh, but those were the two biggest inflection points. And then there were multiple other smaller ones. There was, you know, we ended up hiring a couple of people that are now our editors-in-chief, Molly Gamble, Laura Durda, Ayla Ellison. There were some great, great hires by Jessica throughout, Katie Atwood, Chief Operating Officer, a number of people, too many to name, that ended up being huge inflection points. But Jessica really organizing, growing, and running the team. She was a young, brilliant person. She's still a young, brilliant person. Uh, but it was 15, 17 years ago. She's she's really been a remarkable team builder and leader and, and just sort of the growth in the company growing into hospitals and health systems. Uh, another inflection point that, that I knew we had made progress. 15 years ago, we would have reached out to Mayo Clinic and asked them, would they be willing to speak at our meeting? And they would be like, who are you? What are you talking about? No. Right. And it was about five, seven years after that, that somebody from Mayo called us and said, can we get our CEO on the agenda for your annual meeting? And that, yeah. that to us was a real, was a real wake up call that we had made progress that suddenly wasn't just, we weren't just begging people to speak, but they were finding a platform that was good for their brand and good for them and good to network and good to be a part of. And, and that was a huge inflection point too that I remember. There, you know, in any sort of building of anything, there's a number of different inflection points, but those are just a few of them that send out to me. And, and you know, you learn so much, you can't do anything without a great team and great teams and great leadership, and Jessica and a number of other leaders have provided that. You know, and, and there's, I, I look at two healthcare entities uh, that provide this type of service, you know, to healthcare organizations like mine and, and two associations. Number one, uh, SG2, and then uh, Scott Becker with Becker's Health. And I'm going to tell you, both the most talented group of professionals. When you go to conferences, and if you're listening today and you've never been to one, I'm going to encourage you to go. Uh, we're going to post how you can get to one of those conferences. I strongly encourage you. Uh, it is the the place where you need to learn. Uh, it's a place where you can go and hear about what's happening in the industry. But but he has the most professional group uh, of young leaders that it's so encouraging, Rachel, to, to go to these conferences, to go walk in those rooms, in those conference rooms, to the breakout sessions. And these are being led uh, by some of Scott's most talented people. And so very exciting. But Scott, one of the things that, you know, you've worked on in your podcast most recently, because it's what we had to talk about was COVID-19. And of course, it's at the top of the minds of CEOs and CFOs across America. And uh, we're trying to navigate that with running our hospitals every day. Uh, Significant challenge. But um, in in your perspective, having interviewed just countless people, and I've listened to your podcast, um, how do you think hospitals have fared during this pandemic? And how do you think they will fare in the coming months and even more so in the coming years? Certainly. So there's there's four or five points I'd, I'd make there. It, and, you know, divide into economic, operational, maybe spiritual, and so forth, and, and, and so forth. But hospitals have done an, an incredible job of rising to the challenge. Mm-hmm. People don't, I think, give hospital systems and healthcare in America enough credit often. 330 million people, the third largest country in the world, by far for any large country, pick, pick any country, 100 million people or above, 
by far the best healthcare system in the world. And it's very hard to compare us to a country with five or 10 million people or a very small country where it's a lot easier to provide services, 330 million people. Imperfect, but a magnificent job by our, by our healthcare community. Uh, and, and obviously challenges, social equity challenges, lots of challenges and so forth, but overall a magnificent, magnificent job of working through this. Now, four or five comments. Financially, hospitals have been largely saved the last couple of years by the PPP and some other things. So yes, that yes. has been very, very important. You saw a decrease in hospital closures and bankruptcies. You're obviously a rural health podcast. This has been an issue that's near and dear to rural hospitals is the closure of small rural hospitals yes. over the years. Yes. Last year was a good year for not having closures and bankruptcies, but a lot of that's due to what may not remain in funding. Right. From an operational perspective, it's been a daunting time. It's been exhausting on workforce. It's been burnout at all levels. It's highlighted the tremendous shortages we have in our country, rural, urban, suburban, every place in terms of nurses, physicians, doctors, therapists, everybody at all levels. It's also highlighted challenges in mental health issues and so forth. I mean, I give overall our hospital health community an A plus for shouldering through this effort. It's really been a remarkable effort. There's been so many improvements in care. Economically, hospitals have gotten through this okay. Operationally, there's been an acceleration of digital health and a lot of other improvements. And obviously, there's a long way to go to try and shore up our workforce and and, and try and take care of our workforce and foster the development of of you know more nurses, more doctors, and more mm-hmm. more providers in healthcare at all levels. So you know, COVID obviously um, is going to have an impact long term on on the healthcare industry. I think, and obviously on on our country and on everyone who's uh, who's lived through this pandemic. Um, but when we look at just this next year and we're looking at 2022, what do you see with healthcare on the horizon? What are some of the trends that you think are going to take hold um, in this? You know, we a lot of times like to say the toward the end of the pandemic, right? But we don't necessarily know that. Um, but but what do you think is, is really going to, what are going to be some of the major trends we're going to see in healthcare this year? Sure. And I, and I think about five or six things. I think about, and some of them tie into what we just talked about, but one is everybody in healthcare that is a, that, that works in a healthcare system in any sort or in healthcare providing services or care probably needs to take a breath, at least for a moment, because it's been another daunting six to to eight weeks when we thought this thing was largely behind us and then hit all-time records of hospitalizations through the Omicron crisis. So went up to 160,000 hospital beds full. We're down to 80,000 or so today, but we're down at 42,000 in November. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be some need to just uh, take a breath. The second Mm -hmm. is you do have a tremendous amount of focus on digital transformation, digital experience. How do we get better at better at working in the ways that are patients or communities want us to work. So there's that issue. Third issue is just workforce issues. And workforce issues can't be stated enough. They're going to be daunting for years. Before the pandemic, we knew that we had shortages in physicians Mm -hmm. and specialists and primary care and nursing. And and they're more pronounced in certain areas than others. But one way or another, for the amount of people we have in our country, um, if we want to have the kind of health we want to have, where it's great and it's convenient, we need more doctors, more nurses, more everything. So workforce issues. The, the fourth issue, we've talked about breather, digital workforce. The fourth issue, I would mm-hmm. say, is strategy and competition. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hospitals and hospitals re-looking at what a strategy and competition look like. You know, through this mm-hmm. period of the pandemic, it's been so much just taking care of the crises that we're in 
And, you know, I heard a couple of great health system executives talk about, you know, bleeding back and forth. There are periods of time where it's all hands on deck really on the crisis. And there's other times where we could do dual mission, work on the crisis and work on our strategy. But as we get out of the pandemic and it becomes more endemic and it becomes more like, an, a, a, you know, hopefully, you know, a flu pneumonia season, hopefully not too much worse than that without as many deaths as we've had the last couple of years. And we're still averaging 2,400 deaths a day right now that we get back to a spot where systems could focus on strategy and competition and how they provide care in addition to the the challenges of, of COVID-19. So it, it, you've got those issues. And then, then finally, we talk about, you know, going back to systems, trying to solve hard problems and hard problems of much of anything is this mix of technology and people, this mix of an expanding and aging population mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the time when we don't have an expanding pool of providers. And it's yeah. still being at the end of the day, people look at numbers very abstractly. Do we have enough, do we have enough doctors and nurses in the community? It's all very abstract until a family member needs care yeah. You want to be taken care of, not just tech, technology-wise, but by people. And then it becomes very less abstract. So trying to deal with that dichotomy of a growing population and making sure we're cared for how we want to be cared for, and at the same time, we can afford it and everything else. Yes. You know, Scott, during the pandemic, we've all had to learn to retool. Uh, we've heard mm-hmm. that uh, phraseology, our organizations, and reassess where we are. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, you did a great job at really switching from a, the in-person conferences to virtual. Uh, I attended a lot of those. They're very meaningful, uh, very powerful. Obviously, the gathering of people together is always important, you know, as colleagues to share in fellowship and time. But but truly being there on the forefront for us when we couldn't get to Chicago and we couldn't get to places around the country, uh, you were there with us virtually. And so, you know, if you had hopes and desires and wishes and dreams, uh, what do you hope for Becker's healthcare into the future past the pandemic? You know, what what types of role do you want to play in the industry moving forward? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I am such an incrementalist and I know that's so out of vogue today that mm-hmm. that's, that's hard for me. It's hard for me to be different. We constantly look at sort of two things. It's, it's, we constantly try and redouble our efforts to stay very much in the middle of the hospital health system community, highly connected and the place that people go to read what's going on, to listen to what's going on, to attend what's going on, you know, to be a magnet for, we call it readers, listeners, and attendees. And, and to do it at a high level, at an intelligent high level, where people feel like it's useful information, it's not overly commercialized. I mean, there's obviously a commercial interest in it. We need people to pay the bills, stuff like that, vendors, advertisers, et cetera. But we try and make sure we have that right balance of highly provider-centric and highly health system-centric, not provider-centric, and just stay in the middle of it. Then we're, we're constantly also looking at you know, seeding and exploring other areas related to it. Um, Jessica and I made a, a decision a very long time ago that as a company, as a media company, we don't want to be, there. Were, we when we really set out to build Beckers in a more serious way, Jessica and I sat down and had several conversations about what we wanted to be. And we looked at different kinds of media companies, different kinds of companies. Some of them had 30 different lines and they were strong in three of them. We decided that much more, we wanted to have just a handful of lines, a handful of areas, hospitals, health system, health IT, orthopedics and spine, surgery centers, wherever those lines are going to be. And then within the hospital line, we're in a number of different areas. But we wanted to be very deep in the lines that we're in, 
not spread all over the place. And, and mm-hmm. there's different kinds of business models. Both can be very successful. We wanted to stay highly connected to the health system area and highly deep and relevant there. And, and that remains really our core, core goal is for everything we do outside of the hospital and health system area, we, we put three times as many efforts into staying in the middle and in leadership spot in the hospital and health system area. It's um, it's the most interesting interesting to us. It's where we have the most depth, and we and we love it. And we find the people that we interact with, you know, th- this great mix of mission driven, interesting, engaged, giving their best. I mean, we love the area. So, we we don't have um, you know, we we always view it as doubling down in the core area. We're, we're exploring some other areas, but we, we first and foremost, is staying just really right in the middle of the hospital and health system arena. You know, Scott and I look forward to the future uh, with you. I do. I look forward to attending your conferences, reading your articles, uh, and and just your involvement. You know, I, I particularly appreciate uh, the advocacy work that you've done on your program for rural health, just highlighting a lot of our challenges and really giving us that encouragement. So, you know, I really want to thank you for uh, that commitment that you've made to our hospitals. I know that wherever I go, in the circles that I speak, uh, your name is right there at the top of one of our uh, favorite leaders and really one of our mentors. And so I wish to say thank you for that. Well, well, thank you. We find the challenges facing rural health, whether connectivity issues, shortages areas, uh, you know, if you don't have good rural health care, it's very hard to have great rural health communities or rural communities. And so it just is critical. And we view it as, yes, there's technology ways to help solve it, but we need a much greater effort towards that technology. But we also need the people, too. So it's um, it's you you can't have a great community without great health care. And it could be in different ways. It's right. a whole different subject, and and we could talk about Absolutely. it. I could talk about it with you at 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 great length. I won't do so right now because I know you and Rachel <laughs> need to get moving and stuff like that. But I find it to be such a fascinating subject. You talk to people about rural healthcare, and they say like, "Well, a, a, a suburbanite or urbanite like me says, well, just use Lyft or Uber for transportation." And somebody <laughs> in a rural community will say, "There is no Lyft. There is no Uber. use the Amish. You know, and, or use just the Amish use, buggy. Or just use <laughs> exactly. Just use telecommunications. Like, well, we don't have internet every place. You don't? I mean, more no. and more, but there's all these different solutions to it. But it's a fascinating area, and, and we love talking about it, and we love learning about it. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, I have to uh, also thank you, Scott, for the um, the way that Becker's Healthcare keeps us up to date on what's going on. Um, like I said, my email inbox pings multiple times a day. I think I'm subscribed to every single one of Me your too. email newsletters, yeah. even the ones that have nothing to do with my job in particular, but I just like to, to learn all of that. And I think a testament to how good you guys are at keeping us in the know, um, you know, having very small digestible pieces of content. Mm-hmm. I can have eight tabs open in my browser of Becker's articles that I clicked on as I was scrolling through your email newsletters. And then I can read through those very quickly oh, and, yeah. and not, you know, lose time in oh, my absolutely. day. Um, but Concise, I think, uh, direct. right, right. And I think a testament to how well you guys do that is the fact that we found out that we were a top <laughs> 100 rural and community hospital last week. Becker's before we got the notification yes. from the Charter Center for Rural Health. Absolutely. So that right there just tells you how good you They're guys first are to market. keeping on the pulse They're and, first to market. Yep, and letting everyone in the industry know what's going on. So thank you for that. Well, uh, thank you. It's truly a labor of love and it's fascinating. And there's so many learning experiences throughout. If you let me talk, I'll keep talking for hours, but I will stop, I promise. <laughs> well, Scott, before we close today, and I know you've got many, many places to be, I, I, we'd like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. And we want to know what is your most unique 
rule experience or one of your favorite memories that are associated to unique rule life? So there are a couple of them. There are a couple of them. One is a good memory. One's a bad memory. And, and I will, um, I, I, I'll start with the bad memory because it's very healthcare centric and, and it's, and it is healthcare centric and it's a real lesson for rural hospitals. I remember being in a rural hospital board meeting. This must've been 20 plus years ago. And we were at a hospital, a small hospital and everybody on the board had some financial interest in the community. And of course, I will not name the name of the hospital, but this goes back to when everybody, somebody was the builder for it, somebody was the lawyer for it, somebody did the food for it, everybody had an interest in it. And the fascinating thing was nobody in the board meeting would take their family members to that hospital for care. And this is the perfect example of a rural health institution that had lost its way and lost its mission. And, and, and again, it was a fascinating, it stood out to me so much. It was such a fascinating experience. Hmm. And that was a hospital that needed to merge, needed to do something, and it ultimately did so. But it was a fascinating, fascinating experience for me and sort of like, there are, there are two thoughts that came out of it. One is you got to take pride in your rural health care facility. And the second, probably more important, is you have to know what you're going to be great at. You, you can't be good at everything, but you got to figure out, do we have to be great in stroke care? Because if we don't get people stroke care right away, they'll have much worse long-term disabilities from it or much worse outcomes. Do we have to be just great in urgent care or primary care? But we can't be great in everything, but we got to decide what we're going to be great in. So that was sort of like one experience in the rural health care situation that really stood out to me. And that was a bad experience. It was just it was an incredible learning experience mm -hmm. of just mm -hmm. sort of poor management and the need to focus on what you're going to be great on. Um, it, you know, the, the good memories are so many. I mean, we've, we've got family in rural communities in downstate Illinois that we went to every Thanksgiving for my entire childhood, and that was great. We had an aunt that lived on a farm, and that was great. We used to go whitewater rafting, and that was great, but more travel-driven. And then, you know, it, it just so many other sort of what I would say are semi-rural experiences that grow just family over the years versus, you know, other experiences. Um, you know, we're 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 a we're we're a, we're a huge fan, but yeah. we're also a huge fan with an urban hospital, rural hospital, a, sure. a premier hospital, wherever you are, of knowing this is our mission. This is what we have to be great at. To me, this experience of being in a hospital where everybody was involved in it, but nobody would take their family there was just a, a, a horrifying experience of what was wrong in healthcare at that period of time. You know, once again, Scott, it's been great to have you on the program. Uh, we're excited about your passion, and we want to thank you for your service. And uh, keep up the great work, and we hope to have you on the program again sometime soon. We, JJ, Rachel, such a pleasure. And Rachel, of course, you and your team are free to come to the Beckers Healthcare Conferences. No charge anytime. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. 
Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Reverend Lucas Miller, Pastoral Care Director at Hillsdale Hospital. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.